You have heard it said that you are separate from God. But I tell you, such a thing is impossible. Hello, listeners. Today, I would like to talk about one of the greatest and oldest lies of human history. And I want to talk about the solution that is even older, that existed before that ever came into consciousness. Now, the myth of separation is really, really important because its lie is what has led to wars, it's led to division, it leads to uh, religion that promotes false gods, it leads to all kinds of dysfunction. Basically, it's a house divided against itself and it can't stand. And when it doesn't know that, it uses darkness to drive out darkness, but only light can do that. So what's really fascinating is how this myth, when realized for what it is, begins to wake us up to a deep, deep wonder that we all long for and seem to know deep within. And I want to give some practical solutions at the end of this on how it can actually be experienced and embodied. And so what is experienced and embodied beyond the myth of separation is the reality of our oneness with God, with each other, with all creation. And the more we wake up to this oneness, the more we live inside of a a perspective inside of a beingness that is actually healing. It's actually full of joy and life, and it's profoundly creative. So the myth of separation, what is so interesting about it is that often modern religion promotes it, believes it, believes this idea is uh, something that God can save us from, which is true. But when they use ideas of separation as the solution to that separation, or when they seriously believe that you can actually be separate from God, it creates a dysfunctional worldview and a dysfunctional way of being that can actually be twice as harmful as before. Now, Jesus would say it this way. In, uh, in the Bible, there's a story in Matthew, I believe it's chapter 23, and he's talking to some religious leaders and these teachers of the Bible. And he says to them, woe to you, you teachers of the Bible, the teachers of scriptures, you hypocrites, you travel land and sea, and you will cross land and sea to create a single convert to your gospel. And when you succeed in creating that convert, you make them twice the son of hell as you are. Number one, ouch. But number two, what he's essentially saying there, and this is the one thing that I think was upsetting Jesus the most, is that reality is quite simple. And when you start making it really, really complicated in your religious ideas and practices, it really messes people up and people are literally traumatized by these ideas of separation that get promoted as God, they get promoted as gospel, 
they get promoted as infallible. And that's the lens through which people think and see and read their Bibles and think of themselves, they think of others, and they think of God. But it's actually twice removed from reality. Essentially, he's saying, you guys cross land and sea as if God wasn't there before you got there. That's a pretty self-centered way to view life and would be the result of much self-righteous religion. So essentially, there is no place that God is not. So you can't travel land and sea to tell somebody they don't have God and then give them the gospel of your gospel of separation that now unites them to God. And then they believe that and now they're twice removed from reality. Confusing, I know. Essentially, what Jesus was trying to show us was that God has always been and will always be with us. One of the names for Jesus when he came was Emmanuel, God with us. It's a fascinating thing. And of course, we see he was most upset with religious teachers who would promote the ideas of their scriptures in ways that would lead masses of people to worship essentially a false god that doesn't exist. Now, you can imagine if you look at this today and we see this myth of separation that's so prevalent in our culture in the West that many people are leaving the faith. Many people are disillusioned with Christianity. Part of the reason is that what has been promoted as God really isn't. What has been promoted as gospel really isn't. And so they come to this psychological or spiritual crisis because they know something is off. They know something's true or deep within, but they just don't quite know what it is. Well, it is these illusions that are stuck in the head that believe in the myths of separation. And when you've been told and been a part of an environment that reinforces that illusion, that defends that illusion, it is really hard to come to terms with uh, leaving that because if a lot of that, which it is, was built on fear, fear of God in a really unhealthy way, you actually feel like you could be leaving God, but you're really not because God can never leave or forsake you. And so really, the truth is simple, and it's sinking deeper into the reality that there is nothing you could do to separate you from God. Nothing. Now, one guy who used to believe in, in the myth of separation had a radical encounter with the light, and he went on to say, eventually, I'm convinced now that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not even life, not even death, not even angels, not even demons, not anything created or uncreated. That is a statement right there. Essentially, there's no place I can go to discover that I'm separate from God. It's not, it doesn't exist. It's not real. The only thing that we can do is think and live as if we are separate. And therefore, that is why. The good news comes to say, God is with us. God has always been with you. And when you wake up to that reality, 
you essentially remember who you really are and you become one, as Jesus said, as God and Jesus are one, because oneness is our original state. It's what is deepest within us. So what's fascinating, again, with this uh, myth of separation is that the answer and the solution is to sink deeper into God who has always been in us. This, uh, the same author who penned that he was convinced that nothing could separate us from the love of God, this same author essentially said, this is the great mystery that we, we were unaware of. And we want to bring this into your awareness. The great mystery is Christ in you. That has always been the hope, the source, the divine inside of you. And that connection has always been the meaning of life, to be connected to that and to remember the oneness. So what's really practical in this is a few different things. The number one most important thing is to develop a prayer practice. Uh, Developing a life of prayer is the universal dynamic to connect to and remember our source and to remember what's true, that we actually live, move, and have our being in God, and God is in us. When we become still enough, we know. Hence, be still and know. So prayer practices, meditation, silence allows us to move beyond our minds, which is where the myth of separation thrives, because our mind always thinks often in differentiation. It's a big word for me. It thinks in terms of dualisms. It tries to figure everything out. But the natural mind in this way, or this kind of mind, doesn't understand the things of spirit. Spirit animates and sustains and upholds all things. So spirit has no idea about separation. I love what I just heard the other day. Holy Spirit, how did it go? Holy Spirit recognizes our illusions without believing them. I love that. I love it. So when we begin to have a a practice or a prayer practice where we can sink deep enough, we begin to move away from the thoughts of the mind into the depths of our heart. This is where Christ is or where God is, divine life. It's like living waters deep within there that have been dammed up by thoughts of separation. And when we begin to connect to that, we begin to come alive to who we really are. We we begin to move beyond the conditionings of culture. We begin to realize that we are not of this world, but we're in it. We begin to realize these things, not so much with our heads, but with our actual beingness. It has to be experienced to be believed. Now, the, the way that Jesus would teach this is he would say, go to your inner room, the room of your heart, close the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. So when you close the door to your thoughts that run on endlessly and you sit with God in your heart, you begin to become aware of this presence. Number two, when people would hang out with Jesus, a lot of times they would ask, teach us to pray. Teach us, teach us how to pray. 
And what we just said before was his main teaching, as Jesus himself would often withdraw to lonely places, contemplative places to pray, to, to be one. There is a phrase that he told them to pray. He said, our father, pray like this, our father. What's really interesting is you have to remember Jesus doesn't understand separation and he's coming to heal that illusion. So Jesus is one with God. What's fascinating when he says our father is something is happening at at a personal level that gives our mind something to understand. It sort of gives our mind a placeholder to be renewed that says that God is our father. God is with us. God is personal, God is not separate, etc. The other interesting thing with saying that is that no one else has a different father. In reality, capital R, whether people know it or not, God is their source. God is their creator, God is their father, God is their mother. That is the truth. And so our father prevents us from dropping Uh, into dualistic sort of understandings as if somebody does not have God as their father, as if God doesn't cause the sun to shine on the just and the unjust as we play our games of categories that the natural mind loves to think it knows. So our father prevents us from believing the illusions that we are separate from our neighbor, we are separate from one another. And again, as most of you know, modern religion that is rife with division essentially believes um, that that there is separation. Essentially believes that, you know what, let's, this reminds me of the story of the prodigal. The story of Jesus hits this so beautifully. So let's just go there before we wrap up. Jesus shares this story uh, that's become known as the prodigal son. But I love how some teachers today have talked about um, it's actually the prodigal father. You know, this this father, this God that wastes his life, pours it out, that gives without expecting anything in return. Imagine that. Imagine that kind of love that expects nothing in return. And the prodigal Uh, It was a younger brother who asked his father for his inheritance. And this was something in the Jewish culture you just don't do before it's time, but he did. The father gave it to him. The prodigal goes off and just wastes his life, just spends it wasting his life, uses up all his resources, and he finds himself basically with pigs. And he's like a slave. And he's like, man, at least when I was back with my father, I had uh, shelter and food, you know, I had those basic things that were so good. So he's sort of living in this illusion of separation that he did in his self-made way and begins to return to oneness. He, he makes the, the journey back towards his father. And he's sh- ashamed. He, he doesn't know if he'll be accepted. He, he wonders if he'll be rejected. But we see in the picture of the story, this father sees him when he was a long ways off and begins to run towards him. Now, remember, this is a natural story. God is better and and 
you know, better than the story. But here we have God in the picture of the Father running towards the Son, closing the gap of separation that they thought, he thought, existed between them. And when he embraces his Son, he throws a robe on him, just lavishes him with everything, and basically says, hey, everything is yours. It always has been. You've always been one with me. Distance could not separate us. The other dynamic of the story, for, for those that, that remember, is that there was an older brother, and the older brother lived with the father the whole time and was really upset that dad loved the younger son who wasted everything. How could you forgive him? How could you love him? I mean, look what he did with your inheritance. Look how, look how shameful he was. And his father was like, why are you in such a bad mood? Just like religious people. Why are you in such a bad mood? Like your your brother was lost and now he's back and he's found. He, he's, he's awoken from the illusion of separation and returned to oneness. And here the older brother had been with God the whole time and he didn't even know it. He didn't even know that everything was his. So it doesn't matter whether someone thinks they are close to God in their religious illusions or someone has run far away from God in their religious illusions. The Father is always the Father. The Father is always our Father and always runs to meet us because in reality, capital R, there is no distance. There is no place you could go to be separate from God. And when we really get that, not just in our heads, which does renew our mind, but we get that in the depths of our being, we become true lights of the world. Yes, it's going to be heretical to people who live in the midst of separation. Yes, they're going to persecute that. But it's the answer that can wake them up. That even if we are crucified for revealing oneness, we could still say, hey, we forgive you. You don't know what you're doing, but you're my brother, you're my sister. We're all in this together. So the last thing I would say is uh, from developing a life of prayer was the first, is try to find teachers and teachings that really believe, like that one man said, that that they're convinced nothing can separate us from the love of God. Find them. Yes, modern Christianity labels these guys and gals as heretics. They label them as heretical teachings. But, the, but that's only because they're still living in the illusion of separation. Grace to them. You know, we're, we're all in this together whether we know it or not. Truth is true whether we believe it or not. We are loved whether we know it or not. So find teachers that really believe and teach and communities that embrace that love that surpasses understanding, the love that really is unable to separate us from the love of God. Find them. And as you grow in that, as you recognize your oneness, you become such a beautiful example for the world. And the fruits of your life become such a healing balm to a world of division, a world that thrives on being 
separate, a world that thrives on success in very weird and interesting ways. And you begin to be that light. So bless you. I pray that we all together continue to wake up to our oneness and enjoy the wonder of what that is like in this world. Peace.